Do you love collecting comic books? How about action figures? Are you looking for that perfect gift for someone? Then the comic collection is the place for you. They have Pokemon, vinyls from days gone by, collectible CDs, and so much more. If you have a question about the comic collection, call Dave at 215-375-3332. That's 215-375-3332. Then visit the webpage at thecomiccollection.net. That's thecomiccollection.net. Enjoy prices lower than you'll find at the mall. Welcome to Blind Cafe's Naked DJ's Podcast, where every day we expose ourselves to the very best music. Some days we like to shake it up, some days we let it all hang out, and others we just like to stick it out there for you to listen to. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is DJ Tom, and we want to welcome you to the Naked DJ Podcast. Yes, we expose ourselves to the music so that we can give you the best information of the genres that you may listen to. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. I know there are a lot of options out there, and we appreciate you taking the time to put us on your listening schedule. We've got a great show lined up for you to listen to. And again, thank you so much for making us a part of your listening routine. We've seen listenership come up on this podcast and we really appreciate it. For those of you who may have discovered blindcaferadio.net, a programmer's note, most of the DJs have taken December off and we are streaming Christmas music and we're streaming some of the classics like uh, White Christmas by Bing Crosby and uh, Nat King Cole's A Christmas Song, things like that. But we're also streaming new hits. Uh, what, Maria, what makes a, a Christmas song timeless? What makes it uh, what makes it an absolute tradition? Well, you know, as I said, I think this topic is kind of an extension of what Johnny was asking, asking what makes a song great, or even what I was asking, you know, talking about the songs that keep coming back. But I'm talking about the Christmas songs, not that just keep coming back in different, you know, uh, shape and form and genre, but the recordings that just are timeless too. Um, you know, I mentioned Bing Crosby and uh, White Christmas. I mentioned Nat King Cole and the Christmas song. And I mentioned Brenda Lee and Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Um, and that's the one that I had. I, I, I was looking that up. Um, we, were, we were a bit rushed for time. Because uh, I remember when I spotlighted Brenda Lee in my show, um, it was talking about how that song was back on the charts in 2017. And now I looked and I saw that in 2019, it reached number two on the Hot 100. And um, it's played on all kinds of stations like Top 40 and Oldies and Adult Contemporary. Um, it's not just played like an Oldies song. 
Yeah, because I'm thinking these are all three of these are great songs, but would they have been so timeless or unusual or special if they were not Christmas songs? And I don't I don't think so. But I think it's I think, you know, that these artists all had, you know, big, timeless hits, but they don't keep coming back on the charts and uh, Christmas. I think I think part of that is is just Christmas and how Christmas just bears traditions. Uh, it's one of the extra reasons why we love these particular. Well, I don't think it, you know, the particular recordings like Bing, Dino, Frank, all of them are great, but it's their style, I think, is what's very popular because a lot of people have saying, you know, White Christmas and so on. Now, you guys could probably answer this better than I can, but I do believe you know, there were other people before them that sang those songs, but didn't make them that popular as well as uh, the three guys I just mentioned. That's right. But the three guys that I mentioned had a lot of great songs that are not hitting the charts today. You know, uh, their their Christmas songs still are. Yes. For example, Bing Crosby's, uh, if I remember correctly, I just saw that at number... In the top 40, I think it was at number 22. Yeah, yeah but if somebody came out... Oh, oh, go ahead. I think that's just because of the emotion that Christmas stirs up within people and the emotions. Because, I mean, if you look at stuff like uh, the Mariah Carey Christmas songs or Stevie Wonder, you know, nobody's touching them. And with the emotions they put in them, they're going to be great and timeless. Yeah. Mariah Carey is already number one for this year in the top 100. I appreciate the classics myself, and, and they, you know, the public domain songs uh, like White Christmas or Hark the Herald Angel Sings, uh, th those are classic. But what, what makes the newer songs like Mariah Carey or uh, Celie Dion and Joss Groven, The Prayer. What makes those songs stand out and, and grab your heart? That was going to be I my question, like, too. Go ahead, Julie. I, I think, like um, Curtis said, the emotion. Josh Grogan and Celine Dion, whether it be Christmas or a regular song, the emotion they put into their songs are just unbelievable. Okay. Yeah, she could take a song like Oh Holy Night and or, or you know, something like uh, Joy to the World. And of course, you know, the words are what they are, but it's the emotion that, that, that uh, they're putting into it to make you like, wow, joy to the world. Or as I would I, normally say, you got to feel. I did my Love Is show today and I did all brand new music with Megan Trainer, um, Justin Bieber, Ava Max, they've all got brand new Christmas songs out. There was one, I forget which one it was, Michael might remember. It's uh, called My Snowman, and it was an outstanding song. Um, and Sia, or however you say the name. Sia, yes, Sia, Sia yeah. did it. And some of them are doing the same songs like Last Christmas with Wham!, but the music is different. The words are the old words, but the music is different from what the old standards are. And that's what yeah. I'm talking about. That that goes like uh, the Temptations when they did the Silent Night. That one where they really break it down and just really show their voices. That's what I'm talking about. 
I love that, that was a version. Um, but you know, I, I'm just saying because you're you're talking about different renditions. These are the same oldies that just keep coming back on the charts, which is, I guess time will tell which of these songs 50 years from now are, are still going to be played. I mean, yeah, Stevie Wonders, I think um, that was probably in the 70s when he did, oh, I, one of them was Someday at Christmas. I yeah. Have yep, I and it's just like uh, when Lionel Richie did the 1981, I think it was Endless Love, and then uh, Luther Vandross came back and 1994, I think it was, and he did it. I mean, wow, you know. Yes, but Lionel Richie's is is still beautiful. It's not hitting the charts anymore, but it's still beautiful. That's the thing. There's a lot of great Christmas music out there. So what's gonna? What are we still gonna be requesting and buying 50 years from now? I wonder. Well, it's funny because I cannot believe that we just purchased an album with Sia and Megan Trainer and Justin Bieber. I just cannot believe that I just bought a Christmas album with those people because I'm with Frank Sinatra and Dino and Nat King Cole. That's Christmas to me. So to purchase this CD was very different. I think that goes back to what Curtis was saying. I mean, that's Christmas and, and you, you've got a lot of opportunity to pour into a lot of emotion and memories into your Christmas songs, um, no matter what genre or, or era you're, you're in. And right now it's just going to come back to what we talked about before with the singers and their talents, because in about 50 years, I would actually have to say that Bing Crosby, Dean and all them, you know, will be almost faded out to to non-existent or just a little bit around because you got the millenniums that like the new stuff with uh, Megan Trainer and Dua Lipa and all of them. That's their that's their era. They're not going to they're not the ones that are requesting the old classics. It's the people that are, you know, our age and older that are still there. But once we're gone or, you know, once the next generation above us are gone, it's you'll see that it's going to be fading out. I don't know. White Christmas was done in the 1940s. What was it, Johnny? 1942, uh, Bing Crosby. A lot of us of those are are maybe gone, but their grandchildren who listened, you know, with the people who were young back then, who grew up and became grandparents, you know, have grandchildren listening to uh, to Bing Crosby. I I think. My prediction is that, yes, we will have new classics, but uh, Bing Crosby and uh, Nat King Cole and Brenda Lee are I still I can tell you that my girls probably there. know of those artists, but would not even take a chance to even listen to them, you know, except for, you know, maybe they, they hear them over the holidays for right now. Exactly. That's, oh, that's a good point. But they're, good they're, point. They're, they're, they're in the millennium stage. They're looking at the uh, new, the album that Julie and I just bought for the radio, uh, if you guys listen to the stream, the Christmas songs, we play we're newer type music. And I think we're picking up a lot of the millenniums right now because we are hitting certain numbers, even with the stream, and which I'm very happy with. And I think because of the type of music that we're playing, we have eliminated, you know, some of the some of the older stuff that how, how did how was it put it before it was um, 
basically you want three-fourths of the new or in one-fourth of the old. You want more of the new playing than the old, and that's basically what's going on for us, and it's working. But maybe you hit the, the nail on the head there, MJ, because only in the holidays did they listen, maybe. I mean, that's when you're stuck with family, and <laughs> the, the old folks might want to put on a song or two, or, or say, let's let's hear this traditional thing. And maybe Who are you calling old? Keeps, <laughs> maybe that's calling what keeps those there, Christmas songs going. Hey, hey, old timer, where have you been? <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's 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 probably it because people keep bringing them back, and then maybe one or two of those young people will say, "Hey, that's pretty nice. I want to listen to that with my kid." Because Ricky won't even think about listening to Bing Crosby and Dino and Frank. I mean, R Ricky might know of them and know who they are, but. He will never sit there and listen to them. I was going to say, whenever I say, you know, let's put Christmas music on, my son Ricky will say, oh, can we make it upbeat, please? None of that old stuff. But because he grew up here, he knows, like Michael said, he knows who they are, but he wants the Megan Trainers and the Justin Beavers. Is it too sad yeah. to say I feel like crying for that, uh, for that one, Julie? I remember one time I was, you know, my, my, my taste is very eclectic. I have a cousin who's my age and I was playing this Christmas list of songs with my computer. And then this Gary Howie guitar rock thing came on and she was like, what is this? <laughs> she didn't like it, but her daughter said, oh, I, I, I think it's kind of interesting, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, I see that point, but I think I think some people might still like the old movies and the old TV and, and uh, the old songs. Well, I hope. That would be me. It's kind of comforting in my opinion. Maybe that's, to me, maybe that's why it's still popular. It makes them feel like a comfort zone, you know? Well, the thing is, the point is, if it's still in the hot hundred and it's still selling, I mean, maybe the old folks already have a copy or whatever. It, uh, people are still buying these same old scratchy, well, used up, uh, moldy oldie recordings. Now, and now she's calling all of... the older people used up and moldy oldie. <laughs> and the, yeah, I'm bad today. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I was just, you know, making a point that these songs are just the way they were. 50 years ago and people are still buying them unlike other non-christmas songs that people are not still buying that you know maybe some beatles and it'll i don't know chuck berry and like yes. really classic so the last thing i have still come the back, last thing but... i have on this that i think might keep these songs actually around because if you really look look at all with those songs involved as long as those movies are still being played as in the classics then those classic songs might be around also Point taken right there. I mean, look what, um, uh, what was it? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Look what that did for Queen's uh, Bohemian Rhapsody when that came back out. Yep. And uh, what what is it, Julie? Holiday Inn? Everybody still watches that. Hey, I was just looking at Wikipedia. Apparently, Brenda Lee's um, Rackin' Around the Christmas Tree was used in Home Alone in 1990. Okay, there you go. Yeah, you never saw the movie? And I, let's not forget... I, I have a problem people, with, you know, with people who leave their kids home alone. You know, I, I guess I could never watch them. Let's not forget you get other people covering the other songs and stuff. So that's still, that's why the songs are still popular. Because you get other... Good point. 
Well, from a singer's perspective, uh, regardless of the song or genre, what you have to do as a performer is definitely make the song your own and bring the audience emotionally to where you are. So that's what I try to do as a performer. I, I try to, to adopt the song and do something with it to make it my own and to, to make it uh, a memory for the audience to take home with them. Yeah, I'm wondering if, um, like in 1985, when Back to the Future came out, people, you know, started listening to Chuck Berry again. Well, that's why I said you got to, you know, you got to feel the song if you want to make it your own. You got you to gotta feel it, man. Feel it. Say that once again, Johnny, like you mean it. You got to feel it, man. You got to feel the song. I I played a song today by Kelly Minnick and uh, Iggy Pop. Do you remember the waitresses and wrapping paper? Uh, the Christmas wrapping? Well, this one, like I said, was with Kelly and Iggy Pop. It was very interesting. Oh, my God, Iggy Pop. I have not heard that name in a while. Tell me about it. You know, we are, uh, like I said, a programmer's note, uh, if you're listening to Blind Cafe Radio, Dot net uh, on Live 65 or whatever whatever other platform that you're using. Uh, a lot of the DJs are taking off for the Christmas holidays to to be able to enjoy it. But what what are you, uh, uh, Johnny? Uh, uh, let's start with you. What what are you are you taking the time off, or will you be actually uh, interspersing some shows uh, throughout the holiday season? I'm taking the time off, but I'll be back on the air on the 16th and 17th of December for a Wednesday afternoon country and bluegrass festival Christmas. And a it's on the 16th and on the 17th is a throwback Thursday Christmas. So, yeah, I'll be back on the air for those two. And then I'll be back on the 28th at full strength. We will return to a regular program schedule on the 28th, but... Uh... Maria, what about you? Are you um, are you doing a theme? Staying on, I'm doing my live Friday show. Um, my live at Maria's house. I've been re, I'm replaying some starting in Thanksgiving and last week. I replayed the standard Christmas uh, show, um, and uh, I think you know um, I will do some live at Maria's house. But the week between Christmas and New Year's, that is. Um, the Monday before Christmas and the Monday before New Year's and the Friday before, um, of course, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, I will be taking off and replaying some um, some of last year's shows. Curtis, what will you be doing? Will you be doing any Christmas themes? DJ like Curtis Blue Christmas? is doing a show every Thursday night at 10 p.m. Eastern, the two-hour late-night strike zone, the Christmas edition. Y'all go ahead and tune in tonight. And finally... Julie, MJ, what are you guys doing for Christmas I on Blind Cafe? I haven't stopped mine. Um, I'm still doing all my shows. I'm doing the country countdown. Obviously, that's not Christmas, you know, because that depends on what country music is in that week. I'm also doing my Manic Mondays on Monday. Uh, I'm picking Manic Christmas songs, you know, like... Uh, Grandma got molested at the airport and something about Yogi. There, there's some very funny Christmas songs out there. Just go nuts for Christmas. 
That's that it. grandma That's got it. molested must be a TSA song. <laughs> yes, it is. Now that's funny. And on on Tuesdays, I'm still doing my um, that '80s lady. I'm playing '80s Christmas music. I just did last week a British Invasion, and I did Slade and the Moody Blues and the Doors and some of their old Christmas stuff. And I still do my Happy Hour two for one specials on Wednesday. Today I did a Love Is all brand new Christmas songs, and tomorrow I'm playing Beach Christmas songs like All I Want for Christmas Is a Real Good Tan. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And a repeat of the '80s Lady. As for me, I am just doing my Friday nights mixing up the music where I will be playing you hits from yesterday to today. And that includes all the Christmas songs from the 60s, 70s and above. So you guys need to make sure you stay tuned because every Friday night is the night for me. And if I decide I want to, which I might, I'm actually thinking about it, that I'm going to go ahead and do a couple two-hour shows. As for myself, DJ Tom, my shows, A Slice of the 70s, and the Praise and Worship shows will resume effective December 28th. But I'm, you know, the reason why I'm taking the time off is because things get real busy. I, I do a lot of Christmas gigs, so I uh, need that time to, to practice and work up material and that kind of thing. Well, I was going to ask you, Tom, since we're already here... And instead of me just saying email, I might as well just ask you here in the in the uh, podcast because uh, I know Curtis, his subject will follow along in this. But uh, I was actually thinking you should probably do your praise and worship just because it is the holidays and, you know, more emotional and everything else. So I just wanted to get your thought on that as in, I mean, I understand that you're busy and all that, but wouldn't it be a really good time to do praise and worship? You've got a good point. You really do on that. Um, it's just... Um, there's only so many hours in a day. <laughs> I put you on the spot, didn't I? <laughs> no, you did a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, normally, I probably would, but with uh, with all the Christmas gigs that I'm doing and the potential of moving to a new house, uh, be between those two things, uh, I don't know if I'm coming or going. Or if you've already been there. It's one thing to have the stream. Um, most of our DJs, have been there since day one except you tom everybody else here has been here since day one and because we're a newer station we've only been in existence three years i thought it was about time that these guys had some time off for christmas um we've been doing it day in day out trying to make the radio station grow and everybody's done a fantastic job of that but it's one thing to have to stream but it's another when you have the djs actually tell people the origin of the song and what year you know it's like wham i had forgotten that came out in 1984 and you know it's facts like that that make it really cool having the DJ doing the announcing and the research of the songs for people. And just listening along with the audience and having fun, too. I mean, I will admit, yeah, I do kind of miss being live. I, I just need to get my mind. When we're talking about genres and talking about different uh, eras, I, I want to jump to uh, an article that was passed along by a curveball called The First Shall Be Last. 
a rescue of a style of gospel music that just about went into extinction. Tell us a little bit about this article, The First Shabby Last. It features an artist or DJ named Juan D. Ship. Tell us more about Juan D. Ship and his style of music, Curtis. Absolutely. Uh, his style of music was kind of a close harmonization, kind of uh, similar to doo-wop. It was uh, in Tennessee when the station switched over from blues to gospel in Memphis, Tennessee. He was on the air and um, he noticed that the recording artists that were national had a better sound. And the local artists didn't have a chance because that they didn't have such a good sound. So when he was picking somebody up from a Greyhound bus station one day, he saw a studio. And so he checked into it, got into the studio with his artists, got the stuff produced. And I think there was some type of split. So he, he took over uh, JCNR. And so they were recording all this stuff and having a lot of success. But then... Over the years, the stuff got misplaced for whatever reason. And Michael Hertz, a music historic track, won down. And they were trying to find this stuff. They end up finding it in Olive Branch, Mississippi, in a house where the roof was caving in and about to be foreclosed on in two weeks. So they got that just in time to get the stuff. So now they are distributing the stuff and won. And uh, the name of his show, I think, was called The Gospel Train. And they called him 1D on air. So the guy's uh, 81 years old. He's a uh, he's a pastor. And he's still on the radio. And when he got back on the radio, he was off for 30 years. So his music is being distributed now, and it was almost lost. And I thought that was a real cool story. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, the... The article played some of that music. I loved it. It is it is like doo-wop with some really good bass. Now, going back to where you said the Greyhound bus and he saw the studio, I remember reading a section of that where he said the studio uh, partitions basically were almost like cubicle size and they had this t- scream almost to hear each other through each part of the studio or something, if I remember correctly. But what really helped yeah. him out is he already knew how to use a mixing board and everything. Yeah, he did know how to use that, and, and that means it had a good audio quality because of the way that it was uh, structured, and and that's the kind of noise floor that you want. And, now, what and, did they and mean by were, wave sound? Wave sound. Uh, I'd have to go back and Going actually back look at that. What the mixer said, he know how to he knew how to make the WAV, and I'm thinking, okay, what's the WAV? So maybe that's a mixer. Uh, maybe sound so. Effect. But I tell you, if you listen to the article and you hear that music, you can tell that it's real good. Oh, I wonder if it's the best quality WAV. I, I get it now. Go ahead, Julie. I wasn't going to say anything. Well, About normally time. when you when you record in the studio, I believe, uh, well, they have to do it on the computer. I believe they say the best one to use when you're recording is is the uh, WAV format. Yeah, exactly yeah, for the voiceover. The I mean, MP3 is nice. Yeah. And- and short, if, but you, it also kind of takes out the, um, oh, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Curtis? Help me out here. It takes out the highs a little bit on, on MP3. It, it compresses the file a little too much so and you lose yeah. 
Yeah, it loses some right. of the and if you ever some of waves, the, uh, the oomph. Yeah, and if Did you record commercials technology? and stuff, they definitely wanted in wave. Uh, I'm not sure what what they had back then, but I know he had some good sounding stuff. Whatever they had, that's why you always see me sending you everything in wave format, Johnny. When I'm the one that does all the recording. Yeah, they're huge, but they're better quality. And so, if you want to go down to an MP3, you got to start. At- yeah, the closest thing to it that that is compressed and sounds just about as good as as WAV is the uh, Apple uh, uh, MP4. Oh, is yeah, that an MP4? Is- well, the only thing is, we can't play an MP4 on. T- it will play on the radio. Yeah, on the radio it will, but not on here. That's because the radio transfer yeah. MP3. Uh, oh, not MP4, I'm sorry, M4A. M4A like iTunes, you mean? Yeah. Whenever Latisse records a song, I have to transfer it from M, uh, M4A to a MP. Yeah. Well, there a lot of genres, they kind of cross over, uh, like uh, uh, Juan Ship, uh, and, and I would assume that's kind of a black gospel type feel or genre to it. Um, and then you've got um, blues, and blues is definitely a, a, a takeoff of, 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 say, the black, of the black gospel sound that Memphis is definitely famous for. And then from there, you've got uh, the reggae. It kind of takes a, a, a little bit of that and, and kind of makes it its own uh, a, with a sort of a, a Jamaican flair. And that is most interesting. That uh, genre, that particular genre, reggae, has only been in existence for about 37 years, and uh, you know we know about Bob Marley and he, his uh, death. Uh, he died at a young age of 36 in 1981, uh, although he never really won an award for his reggae influence. He did uh, become a former. Uh, uh, of the decades, an all-time achievement award, and so uh, MJ, what can you can you tell us about this thing with reggae? It since the inception of the music award, it seems like Marley's name and Marley's relatives and brothers and in-laws and outlaws and everything else have been a part of that award. Is that is that uh, is the Marley name uh, synonymous with that award, or or, or um, should it be that way? See, and that's good that you brought that up because Skip Marley has actually been nominated for the next Ray Gay Award, and that's going to be that was going to be my question to everyone. Is I mean, are they? Is that the only genre they're allowed to uh, be nominated for? Because out of the twenty out of the thirty-seven years that Ray Gay has been around for a nomination. Every Marley has been nominated 20 years out of 37. So uh, it just seems, uh, and like you said, uh, Bob Marley died in 1981. And the, the genre or the award, uh, passing out the award for reggae didn't start until 1984. So are the Marleys subjected just to reggae? And Julie, you'd be the best one. Well, I don't know if you'd be the best one, but I know you listen to a lot of reggae. Are the, is that the only award? That a Marley has ever won in the reggae it category? It is. That is the only one. Wow. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question, MJ, before Julie goes. Do, do you feel like they are deserving of the awards that they've won? Or do you feel like they should uh, be winning other awards? Well, it's just 
whatever genre music they're singing in, which is basically reggae, but the a nomination for uh, just the Grammy Award, a nomination for a Grammy, not for an all-time achievement like Bob Marley yet or anything like that or, or any other. It's just the uh, reggae uh, Grammy Award, and that's it. That's all they've been nominated. Are there new artists that are allowed to have a chance at taking a crack at receiving that award? Are, are there newer artists uh, that that are gaining exposure in the reggae zine, the reggae scene. You know, that's funny that you said, Julie, who was the other Marley? Uh, not, not the two, not Bob. There was another one that sang with Kenny Chesney. Uh, who, who, which Marley was that? Ziggy there. He has seven sons and a daughter, Yvonne, and they, they all have his talents. Um, they are all deserving of any award they get. They're an amazing family. That's it, yeah, because they got one daughter that's actually doing it too. Actually, I think there's two. There's Yvonne and now there's Rita. Um, I just seen her name recently as well. Is she a young one still? Um, 20s maybe, but I'm sure there's more because <laughs> that family seems to be growing bigger and bigger. Pretty soon it's going to be the island of Marley's. But I can tell you the award shows. I don't know if you guys have been reading about this, but um, The Weekend, he's a guy from Canada. There was talk that uh, they wanted him to do the halftime football thing. Well, because of that, he was snubbed at the music awards and they're still going on about it now i've been reading for a couple of weeks now and some of the artists have come out um behind him saying you know this is just wrong and they're saying that the awards are a fraud and they're not fair and the awards people the billboard people are saying that Every now and again, somebody gets left out and their feelings get hurt. But I don't know if you've heard of The Weakening, but they were number one for several, several months this year on the UK charts and um, in the top 10 on the US charts. And if there's anybody deserving of an award, it's The Weakening. See, and now I know yeah. why Curtis asked that question to me. You asked me if they deserve that award, as in the Marleys, for every time, you know, uh, when they get nominated. Is it because they're being nominated because of their name or are they being nominated because of their music? You know, that's the big question right there. So is it corrupted as in, by name only and not how well you perform or how well you I'll just say it. Yeah, again, how well you perform. I, I would imagine with the Marleys that uh, because of the name, there is a certain amount of that. But I can tell you, um, I haven't heard a bad Marley sing yet. I'd say it would be a little bit of both, in my opinion. I mean, and I you're right, it, Johnny. I, I don't know if it's necessarily deliberate co corruption or just, you know, again, and, um, you know, we're reminded of him with his family and his name. Watch the awards anymore, because to me, it's just a glorified popularity contest. Now, the weekend... I believe that's who it was. Yeah, he should have been nominated, and you know, and he had a, every right to come out and blast the uh, the Grammys and stuff like that. But um, 
you know, it, it's I've, like I said, it's always three. It's been just a popularity. Co- yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's part of it. Curtis, besides the music, what were you gonna say, Curtis? Yeah, I, I definitely love the weekend. I, I play a lot of his stuff. Uh, he's real good, and I do think he would definitely do a good job at Super Bowl halftime with no fans in the stands. <laughs> well, no, there'll be cutout card cu- cardboard cutouts. No, no, no. What they'll do is they'll they'll do like what they're doing in the WWE. MJ, um, they call it the Thunderdome. They put like screens all around in the seats and they actually have people coming in from zoom and stuff like that. Actually, the Super Bowl is going to be held uh, here in Tampa and they are going to have a limited capacity of real human beings filling the stands. Don't know how many yet. I think that is still to be determined, but they are going to have real people in the stands to a limited degree. Don't forget, folks, to listen to our limited Christmas schedules. Uh, I, we, per, we posted early about who's actually continuing to do shows through December and who's taking the time off. Uh, check the blindcafe.net schedule uh, for uh, shows and times, and uh, we hope that you enjoy the Christmas stream. Joining us on this Naked DJ podcast. We love exposing ourselves to the music to to get information, and we hope that we are putting out for you topics of interest that uh, perhaps explain a lot about the genres of music that you listen to. All right, that's it for me, guys. I don't know about you, but uh, don't forget to check Julie and I out at Talking Points every Monday through Friday morning. Yes, that way you can see if your name is being taken in vain or not. And I don't, don't know what you're talking to... about. And don't forget to go to at DJ Maria 16 on Twitter. That's at DJ M-A-R-I-A 16. Also, don't forget to go to anchor.fm to check the naked DJs out. That is naked DJs. I would say capital D, capital J, small s, but all you got to do is just type it all out in lowercase and you'll be just fine. But yes, that is anchor.fm, Naked DJs. Go and check out Blind Cafe Radio at blindcaferadio.com and also follow us on Twitter at Blind Cafe Radio and on Facebook at Blind Cafe Radio. Make sure you visit our webpage at blindcaferadio.com where you can visit our naked DJ. And this is the Blind Cafe Kangaroo, signing off.